country of Indonesia. Do they like me in Indonesia? 100% confident Indonesia will prevail. Hello and welcome to Talking Indonesia. My name is Gemma Purdy. In the past week, environment ministers representing the G20 nations have gathered in Bali. The host, Indonesia's Minister for the Environment and Forestry, Siti Nurbaya Bakar, told the gathering that the world was already in the midst of a climate crisis and called on G20 members to work together. The minister emphasised the need for a multilateral approach to addressing and mitigating further escalation of the climate crisis, the impacts of which are being seen around the world and also in Indonesia, where climate-related disasters like extreme flooding, storms and fires are becoming more and more frequent. Indonesia itself has committed to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions by 41 percent by 2030 with international help. At the same time, environmental groups in Indonesia are critical of the nation's ongoing reliance and support for fossil fuels extraction and high rates of deforestation. So as the world's leaders meet in Bali, what is happening at the grassroots in Indonesia in response to the climate crisis and environmental emergencies they face every day? Will green issues feature in the upcoming elections? And what or who has the power to drive real change on the environment in Indonesia? To answer these questions and many more, my guests today are Eva Wakowska and Gedi Robbie. Among other things, they are the producers of the documentary film Pulau Plastic or Plastic Island, now out on Netflix and a TV series of the same name. The documentary follows three environmental activists, including Robbie, lead singer of the rock band Navikula, as they journey across the country seeking to understand the extent of Indonesia's plastics pollution problem, to raise awareness about its impacts and ultimately to call for urgent action on the environment. Hi, Robbie. Hi, Eva. Thank you so much for joining us on Talking Indonesia. Hi, Gemma. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, Gemma. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for making the time. So before we get into the topic for today and the documentary in particular, Eva, I wondered if you'd just briefly introduce us to your organization, Copernic, that you co-founded and the work that you're doing there. Sure. So Copernic is an Indonesia-based organization. We are based in Bali, but we work across the whole archipelago, all the way from Aceh, all the way to Papua. And we've been around for 12 years and we focus on finding solutions to a range of social and environmental challenges. You can really think of us as an R&D or research and development lab for social and environmental challenges. We work across a whole range of sectors from environment and climate to water and sanitation, health, education, women's economic empowerment. Uh, but the main thread of our work is testing and experimenting potential solutions to address common challenges faced by underserved communities. The film that we're going to talk about, Pull Out Plastic, it begins in Bali, but it has a journey that takes it across Java and more broadly. So Eva, with Copernic having such a broad mission to address social and environmental issues and really all parts of Indonesia are under your remit, why is it that 
you and Robbie and the team decided that you would tackle plastics? Why that issue in particular? Yeah, living in Bali, it was something that was really in our face. You see the problem with your own eyes every day. So Robbie and I actually came up with a plan to start working on this issue in 2018, beginning of 2018. Really felt that we're based in Bali, we live here and need to contribute to the solution somehow. We had worked with Robbie and his band Navicula in the past on a range of different programs and issues, but plastic for us had become a problem that couldn't be ignored. Back in early 2018, we sat down and we thought, okay, what can we do? What role can we play? We decided to develop video content, something that was entertaining but raised people's awareness about the issue while also giving people tangible ways that they could change their behavior, change their use of single-use plastics. So we had Robbie, and he's got a huge following in Bali as well as Indonesia. So together we decided to focus on Bali, on the problem in Bali, and really integrate Balinese culture and people's connection to their spirituality and frame it in that way so the issue would really connect with them. So at that time, we made a four-episode series, also by the same name, Palau Plastic, that focused on different aspects of the problem. And then following the success of the series, because it really was really well-received, not only in Bali, but across Indonesia. Then there was a production house in Jakarta that wanted to collaborate with us and turn it into a feature-length documentary film, which took it beyond Bali. So I'm sure Robbie has lots more to say. Yeah, Robbie, I mean, I guess for our listeners who don't know who you are and don't know about your band, do you want to tell us a little bit about Navikula and uh, your kind of mission? So Navikula is a rock band based in Bali, uh, start at 1996. And then the concept of Navikula is combining music and activism. Actually, at the time, we see there is a missing puzzle in this industry about the rock music that represents the voice of our generation and using music and then spreading the update information about the social and uh, ecology issue which is at the time we believe like uh, this is the issues in our generation, like a social and ec- ecological. And so uh, we want to take a role or want to be part of this change. And actually it's not something new. It's just we just continue the tradition. Maybe like uh, in Indonesia, especially Bali, is like uh, the knowledge transfer is not using literacy. I mean, our passion in the literature is not so big, but the the the, the way the, the local wisdom is like always transferring this knowledge through music, through theater, through artwork, like uh, the pattern of the carving, even like a religion in Indonesia, mostly um, many, many years ago, transferred to the side of puppet, for example. So we just following. So why not combining this, the, the knowledge through rock music, something that I passionate about. So it's like a combining what we love with what we care so we care about the social environmental issue we believe everyone can be part of this change 
yeah, that's the, the idea behind Avicula. And then, yeah, we growing up and learn together. But to write about this issue, we need to hang out a lot with people working in NGO or, yeah, luckily outside of the music, I also work in Indonesia Research Institute and work as the consultant in some NGO. So I, I got interested, personally got interested with this issue. I, I believe like outside, out there, lots of people like me interested about this issue. Yeah, I yeah. mean, as uh, Eva was saying, plastics was something that you came to because it was in your face yes. every day. Can you describe to us the scale of the problem? So around the time that we decided to embark on this Pull Out Plastic campaign, we were seeing information that Indonesia was the second largest contributor to marine plastic pollution after China. So that's a pretty pretty significant position to hold. And I think it's important to say that this is a global issue. This is not Indonesia's uh, fault alone. There are lots of contributing factors. And we also know that only 9% of plastic has ever been recycled. So the rest ends up in the natural environment or in landfill or it's it's burned. And you know, we were seeing this on a kind of micro scale or you know on a Bali scale. And that's really why we decided to to address this. Yeah, Bali, we live in Bali. It's like a where wherever in the world that having this massive industry and then Bali is a massive industry of tourism will be working parallel with the impact for the environmental. So tourism in Bali is the tourism that based on the natural and cultural. But the, the impact of the, the industry itself is also affecting the natural and cultural. So actually trying to keep uh, Bali still have that main asset. The ecotourism for me that uh, and for everybody is agreed that the industry, we got the profit but not, not killing the asset not killing the nature and the culture. And then so many, what is uh, information we got the last decade that waste management is main of the problem. But we also, in the era of the collaboration, we believe the significant change only can happen if the, the collaborations happen between a community, government, and corporate. So that's why we need a tool, art tool, a visual tour, which is actually film is why liquid or easy tour beside music concert to deliver this kind of information. That's why we, we need, especially nowadays, the accessible or the, uh, the the people ability to make a film is way easier than yeah. before. So, I heard this nice term recently, someone said accessible storytelling. I really loved that. Like when they were talking about YouTube, other social media platforms allow for that accessibility. But in Bali, there was, like you say, there was a huge problem, but there were also efforts underway weren't there to tackle the plastics problem. And you document how Bali was the first, I think, province to ban single-use plastics. How did that happen? Was that a grassroots-driven or was that a kind of more politically top-down exercise to get that ban? Yes, Bali was the first province in Indonesia to enact a ban on certain single-use plastic items. But the first location in Indonesia was actually Banjarmasin. What's interesting is at the time of filming of Pulau Plastic, at that time there were 13 locations, cities in Indonesia that had some kind of single-use plastic ban in place. And 
as of a couple of weeks ago, there are now 76. The last one was uh, Surabaya. So a lot has happened. And in terms of who uh, is behind this, there are so many people and organizations that have been working on this issue for decades in Bali and across Indonesia. And uh, a lot of them have kind of gone unrecognized. So I think it's really important to note that the regulations, the progress that has been made is really thanks to the long and hard and very dirty work of uh, many organizations that have been pushing for these bans to be put in place. Yeah, I got that sense. But um, it's extraordinary that you've gone from 13 to 76. That's a huge impact. And I guess I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, what you found about the impact of the film a bit later. But one thing I, you know, I love about the documentary, and I wondered if you could comment on the decision to include a scientist kind of at the core of the documentary, where you had, you know, as, as Robbie, you were going across Java on your journey, you were frequently meeting with a scientist, and he's bringing out his microscope and he's testing samples along the way. Why was it so important to put science at the heart of the story? Yeah, when we made uh, documentary films, like, uh, we have to build the trust, right? Like, uh, the credibility. So when information is... Uh, hawks then people will be doubt about the rest of the information so but because this is the, the film is also targeting the the popular audience like in the cinema we want to make it also light and uh, enjoyable entertaining so maybe this is one of the reason why the object that we we decided to make is human faces because maybe we want to make the, the, the dirtiest movies of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like a, something that catch the people attention, but it's yeah, it's quite as challenging combining something that database, but also it's not boring, it's not too to to scientists. I mean, something entertaining. So yeah. Yeah, but definitely delivered a strong message, I think, for people who haven't seen the documentary. Yeah, so you took samples of human feces from very, you know, generous people, yeah. including yourself, along the way. To... So all classes, like from the people that living, uh, like uh, the the low economic into until the political maker and the celebrity. So it's like a wide range. Yeah, to and, and, and you were looking, tell people what you were looking for in the samples. Yes. It's like a maker also connecting because when, uh, when we're talking about microplastic in the ocean everywhere, it feels like a far away from the people. So when we make it close to the people, this is inside your body, then it's, you create a sense of belonging uh, about the, the issue. A lot of people wondered, you know, why why is Copernic making a film? It's not something that we usually do. But again, the common thread is that all of our work really relies on data and evidence. So by including science and by including research in the film and delivering it in a engaging and using popular culture as a method rather than just issuing a report about you know microplastics found in human feces or bioplastics or compostable plastics not degrading in natural environment if we can show this in an engaging way it's going to have a much more powerful message and also you know facts don't lie so you know when we 
do the research of the human feces and and find that they all contain microplastics. Sorry, spoiler alert. Or we find mm-hmm. that the biodegradable or compostable plastics don't degrade in the marine environment. It's pretty hard to argue with that. We could have just gone with a blaming and shaming approach, but that's not going to be as effective. But if we show the data, if we show the evidence, there's we really don't have to say much more because it's there again it's in your face the, yeah. the 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 facts and the results don't lie Mm-mm. and i i love what you said robbie and it really came across the fact that you had people from all different classes walks of life providing samples and all finding that they had these microplastics in their bodies and so it was this kind of really nice leveler in terms of you know the impacts that the problem's having on every one of us and so then You know, I loved too that you very much connected with local leaders, political leaders, as well as community groups and students, all kinds of people. And you even, Robbie, attempt to have a chat with the president. How did that go? Me personally, as the Indonesian, I'm ashamed with this this information because Indonesia is like a, the maritime country that have a largest ocean that, and then we accuse as the second largest contributor for the uh, plastic waste. How is our president's respond about this one? And then want to know how priority this issue for him. So just want to find out the, the insight. Even like a very short chat, but it's also me representing many of the people that want to know what is the uh, number one people in Indonesia like, uh, uh, attention to this. Yeah, and you gave him, I mean, it was a pretty simple request and you know, that, that's, I think, the um, the really smart thing about the documentary is the focus is very much on the single-use plastics ban, uh, you know, as an issue. And so that was the issue that you were asking him in particular about and whether or not the central government would enforce a ban. But you didn't quite get the answer you'd hoped for, right? Yeah, it's quite difficult. <laughs> <laughs> to get a straight answer. From yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> You talk, Robbie, about the need for this issue, the only the solution being community and government and corporate working together. And so, you know, thinking now that the film has been made and you've screened it, what responses have you had? Can you gauge the impact of the documentary? Is that possible to do or how does it contribute more broadly to this issue? So the Pull Out Plastic campaign was intended to be a behavior change campaign. We wanted to change people's awareness levels about single-use plastics and, and reduce usage. That was the ultimate aim. So with the series itself, we conducted a lot of surveys before people watched the series, immediately after they watched the series, and then a couple of months after that. And what we saw was that people's awareness did increase both immediately and in the follow-up survey, but self-reported usage, it wasn't sustained over time. It fell back after the second follow-up survey to pre-watching levels, and that was for specific single-use items. And we believe that the reason for this is twofold. One is that Just watching something once is not enough. You really need to have sustained engagement with people. People need to continue to be engaged. But second, and this was the biggest problem that people had with reducing their usage of single-use plastics, was that there are no viable alternatives. So we saw that especially for 
sachets and food packaging, there wasn't a reduction because these things are still so widely available and there are no easy alternatives for people. So yeah, we need a sustained engagement and meaningful viable alternatives for people to be able to buy yeah and also like it is considered about like uh, the solution can be holistic you know like uh, for example like uh, using packaging sachets because of the production is centralistic so need uh, to transport this thing far away so maybe think like uh, if the local resources based mining production is also can significantly change the way people packaging and for the transportation so uh, it's bringing other other problem too. Plastic issue and this packaging system is also the result of the centralistic production. What's interesting is that a system has been developed and a logistical problem has been addressed in getting these, let's talk about sachets, getting sachets all the way to all of the you know 17,000 islands of Indonesia, but the system to get them back has not been, been developed. So People in far-flung remote areas of Indonesia, they use these products, but there's no way for them to dispose of them. So they burn them, they end up in their natural environment, and that has massive implications for people's health you know yeah. individually but also as a as a society yeah but also it's like uh, how important the the law enforcement because in the in the law in our law is already clearly mentioned that every production have to be responsible with the product that they produce so it's like uh, if we, we if we truly implementing these things so before transporting before sending their product to the other island they have to reconsider uh, the, how to how put, gonna how get, it gonna get it back, you know? Yeah. And then because uh, most of the product is so cheap and affordable because they're not put the, the expenses the of cost. the the full cost, the actual full cost of the natural rehabilitation in their product. There are also companies that are making large profits. So there's that question. I, you know, I wanted to ask that because coming to the, the conclusion of the film itself, I guess that was the one little piece of the puzzle that was missing about that corporate responsibility issue and what is being done. I'm assuming from what you've just said, like conversations are there and there are legal instruments that could be used against, you know, like a Unilever or a Coca-Cola or these massive companies that manufacture these materials. And this is not Again, as you said, Eva, this is a global problem that we're talking about indeed and and not just an Indonesian or Bali problem. But is that something that you think there's progress being made on, you know, in terms of talking with the manufacturers about finding solutions? Yeah, actually before made, we already have some discussion because we believe like, uh, we believe in kindness in people, yeah? Whatever it's like, if you're in corporate, if you're in politics, you have to be kindness in you. You have to be... I believe we believe kindness in people. We have so many uh, interview and everything, but to to put this all together in then one and forty minutes film is not, is gonna be a challenge, right? It's like a very limited space. But some key point, like uh, in the film, is like uh, strongly the message is like a ban sachet, ban single use, and then pushing the government to implementing the regulation or to release regulation if if the regulation is not exist yet. And then actually that's uh, the point of the, the message that you want to deliver through the, this short movie. This is going to be touched in the every individual uh, if they care about this one. If you are mostly not well informed 
about this issue, then you keep doing it. For example, like a people using the sase like uh, in the small economic income because they don't know how dangerous is that that's another problem that's because lack of information right but if the corporate decision maker you already know this can harm the environment and can be harm of human then the, the ethic is different is this is also right or wrong but also the kindness or unkindness right i mean it's like the value you as a human you know this is wrong but you keep continue but that that's kind of like a, a criminal right It's not only breaking the law, but also breaking our heart as the human. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you you talk about kind of the spiritual aspect you, at the beginning there, Robbie, about that connection Balinese people have to the environment. I also noticed that recently there was a large gathering of Muslim organizations to talk about green issues and environmental issues. Have you seen any movement? You know, has there been progress there in, in terms of like other? institutions that have been making progress on the environmental issues uh, i believe yeah like uh started aware like especially in the young people right now when we're talking about the environmental they mostly agree but because yeah this is so big scale like a global scale just talk about the national scale indonesia like almost 300 million people uh, the percentage is still small And even like the government, I believe like some progress is already made in the government, the regulation, everything. But before they make this one, I believe they already have the research team. They already gain some information about this one. But the execution is still small. But anyway, this is still already progress when we randomly talk about, this is in the, especially the young generation, they already aware about this one. But about the the the, the issue that, Uh, pull of plastic deliver. Yeah, but as you but, say, there's got to be the structures in place that enable them to, you know, to behave, to change that behavior because you can only yes. start, like yeah. you're saying. In the regulation, in the product, uh, packaging product, and then the what is right or wrong or kind or unkindness norm in society, it will be slowly changed. So that's why, like Ewa said, one film is not going to change anything but continuously uh, discussion like what we did today media involved the popular influencer involved then it's become a, a new power when a lot of people discussed it in the community level then it's become fought for example like a political pressure yeah. yeah and i mean the election is around the corner so i'm assuming that there is maybe is you know a movement here uh, to really kind of activate these issues during the campaign? Is that something that you guys have heard about or might be involved in at all, like a green politics movement in Indonesia? Yeah, yeah or like nowadays, like Bali become the host of the G20 and then this is one of the issues. So that's why now Ewa, me, and then the band, it's like, uh, and then many organizations, we're trying to, we, we are as the host in Bali, we have to not only become the audience, just, just follow it. We have to involve, right? We have to participate in what Bali can uh, can do, can contribute, can speak up about. Actually, there's been some uh, interesting research last year by Indicator Politik Indonesia, which looked at the younger generations. Um, you know, what, what are the, what are they mostly concerned about, and specifically around environmental issues? 62% of Gen Z and millennial respondents said that they felt that waste was the most important environmental issue. So this is obviously 
an increasingly important uh, voter block. It's going to have to play part of any political campaigns, hopefully. But I, I actually just wanted to say something. You said that you felt that the corporate part was uh, the missing, missing piece of the puzzle in the film. And you're absolutely right. When we first set out to make Pull Out Plastic, the original concept was we want to bring everyone around the table. We want to bring uh, the corporates, the government, civil society, everyone to sit together and figure out how can we solve this problem. And Robbie and I went to visit so many companies. We talked with all the big ones. Um, and in fact, we wanted to make them the star of the film by getting them to, you know, to ban one product and make them the hero in the film. And we met some great individuals that are working in these companies, but they don't yet have the corporate backing. So if you see that that part is missing, it's not because we didn't try, but there just wasn't enough of a story <laughs> to, to, in, to include. That in itself is very, very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So when we talk about policy, there, there are some good and strong policies in place. The implementation and enforcement definitely needs a lot of work. And I think that's got to be the main focus uh, so for, for the future. I think city governments have done you know, a really good job, have done a lot of work. And now it's the turn of the corporations and producers to step up. To step up. Yeah. yeah. The film, the message is very much people power and how behavioural change is going to get this thing started. But as you say, yeah, now it gets to a point where you have to go to government and you have to go to the corporates and, and get them to shift. And all power to you guys and good luck and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Gemma. Thank you, Gemma. And I'll put um, links to the film and your wonderful podcast, guys, that I have to spruik as well, called A Soundtrack of Resistance, and we'll push people over to that as well. So, again, thank you for being here. Thanks so much. Thank you. That was Eva Wachowska, co-founder and COO of Copernic, a Bali-based NGO, and Gede Robbie, social activist, researcher, and member of the rock band Navikula. You can find links to their film Pull Out Plastic and podcast A Soundtrack of Resistance on the Talking Indonesia blog. Talking Indonesia will return on the 15th of September. Remember, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast archive at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog. Subscribe via iTunes so you'll never miss an episode or find us via your favourite podcasting app. Until next time, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast. Thanks for listening and bye for now.